Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. I'm Tracy Hotchner, your dog's best friend and your kitty cat's best friend. Wishing a happy weekend to listeners on Peconic Public Broadcasting in the Hamptons, on Robin Hood Radio in Connecticut and the Berkshires, and to podcast listeners everywhere. Please listen to all my new live call-in pet radio shows on the Radio Pet Lady Network, co-hosted by top pet experts and veterinarians, RadioPetLady.com. Dog Talk is a production of Eight Paws LLC, which is solely responsible for its content and is brought to you with the generous support of Platinum Performance Supplements, Waruva Pet Foods, Precious Cat Litter, and Nordic Naturals Omega-3 Fish Oils. Nordic Naturals Omega Pet products provide your dog or cat with the same premium quality omega-3 nutrition as their fish oils for people. Research shows that even the best diets are deficient in the essential fatty acids found in their omega-3 oils, which surpass strict international standards for omega-3 fish oil quality. Nordic Naturals uses sustainably sourced wild fish from healthy stocks with third-party testing to guarantee purity and freshness. I have a wonderful lineup of guests for you. Victoria Stilwell is back, the gorgeous British dog trainer you've seen on It's Me or the Dog with a new book called Train Your Dog Positively with really good advice. Melissa Gillespie will be here with PAWS, Pioneers for Animal Welfare Society on Long Island, where they're doing some great work, especially seniors with animals, food distribution, other really good things to know about. And Dr. Lori Colger, who's a holistic vet, who's going to talk about vaccinations, which she's written about extensively and hear about a great summer camp that she helps run for people with their dogs. So I'm going to jump right in and say welcome back to Victoria Stilwell. It is always such a pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you for having me back on. I would have you every week if I had my way. First of all, everyone should talk the way you do. You have the most beautiful accent. And, you know, when when we watch your show, I'm sure many of us want to ask you 100 questions. How bad was it really? You know, how long were you there to, to get that whole story told? The, the show, your, your television show has been so successful, I'm assuming and hoping it goes on and on, yes? Well, at the moment, uh, it's me or the dog is on hiatus because I'm working on some other stuff as well. I will be back Ooh. on Animal Planet, but um, I'm working on some other stuff for other networks as well. Oh, so, good. Um, whilst that's happening, it's me or the dog is on the back burner, but hopefully one day it'll come back. Um, because we've done eight episodes over eight, sorry, eight seasons over eight years, and um, definitely time to do other stuff as well. I can understand that. That is, you know, I didn't realize how time flies, right? I mean, good golly. You continue to write during all of the pressure you have for all the balls you have in the air. And I think that your newest book, Train Your Dog Positively, which is in, in uh, you know, italics, is marvelous because it really does address those problems that people have with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those are the steps to do, and they work. They don't have them numbered. They're bulleted. But, I, I, you know, I looked at them and I thought, yes, that is really true. If you could just do those first things she says and the next thing she says and do it consistently, that, that you really do have solutions to those behaviors that people think are, oh, just labs jump up and, and just, I don't know, greyhounds run away or, you know, I don't know, hungry other dogs steal. And you do a great job in the book, Victoria, of really helping us understand in a very intelligent way, meaning you don't talk down to people and make it sort of quick and clever. You really explain what motivates dogs to do the behaviors they do. Do you think that's one of your greatest gifts as an educator and and an entertainer educator is to really help people understand that there's science behind it and there's a reason for everything you tell them to do? 
Absolutely. And it's about enhancing that human-dog relationship. Um, and if you think about it, humans and dogs have been together for thousands and thousands of years. But yet it's only really in the last century when we have been, well, since the 1920s, maybe a bit before then, that we've really been um, trying to understand how dogs learn what they need in order to be successful. And as dogs become more companions in our home, less working dogs and more companions, you know, we have to better understand them in order for them to be successful. Because, you know, going from that hunter-gatherer to really being a, a dog that's more of a companion that has caused a lot of unwanted side effects, as it were. Um, and, you know, to see dogs as these still animals, they're still predators, they still need to be very much treated like dogs, but they're also part of your family. You have to get that balance right. And I think one of the things that you address to my mind, better than anyone else has without saying names, although anybody with sort of half a brain knows exactly what you're talking about. I think you've helped to straighten out in this book and to anyone who has watched another person on television who has had a show on for a very long time, which I always liken to a circus act. It's very entertaining as a circus act. It's not really any advice you should take um, or even any understanding of why dogs are doing quote-unquote bad behaviors or unwelcome behaviors. But what you do in the book is undo some of the problem of people having watched um, a circus act on television for a lot of years and believed that they were learning something about how to respond to or talk to or deal with their own dog. And it's, to me, sort of heartbreaking that you have to now, as a dog trainer, not just teach people how to be with their dogs, which is what a good dog trainer does, by understanding the dog and understanding what their basic needs are, but you have to undo these mistaken things that they've learned mostly on television. Talk a little bit about the challenge you have as a as a dog trainer or, or even as a, a woman who has now a great academy where other trainers come to learn to be dog trainers and may have also been um, mistakenly influenced by this television circus act, if you will. What is the, the big challenge for you in helping people undo this mistaken ex- experience of what dogs want in life? I think the, 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 the start of it is to tell people, look, entertainment can be very, very powerful. Um, it can be very persuasive. And it can depict life um, as if it is reality, but it's not reality. It can say this is what's going on when exactly the opposite is yes. going on. And yes. so the, the viewer who quite rightly is just watching it for entertainment to get advice about their own dogs, will be led into this sort of false sense of um, you getting information that is not necessarily true. Now, um, not everything on the other show is, is bad. There are some good things. But unfortunately, sure. the whole idea of, um, you know, that you have to take over your dog and you have to be dominant over your dog and you have to get your dog to submit to you and the only way to treat an aggressive dog is through punishment and um, is, is, I think, one of the greatest tragedies that has hit the whole profession of dog training ever. Um, and, yes. You know, people, obviously when it comes from me, it looks like it's sour grapes. So here's the other woman here. She's got the other show and she's just jealous or she's just sour grapes. Or, but it's really not. I'm doing very well, thank you very much. I'm very <laughs> proud of the way I've 
but it's really not. It's it's crying out and saying, look, people, you don't have to dominate your dog in order to get your dog to behave. You don't have to bully your dog into submission. You don't have to punish your aggressive dog in order to get it to behave. Um, and you don't have to be your dog's pack leader. And you don't have to be top dog or boss or whatever or Correct. alpha or whatever these people have been led to believe. And it's such a shame because I believe in this other show, the heart is there and the passion is there, but the information is just is, is outdated and has been proven to be false by so many of the real, true scientists and animal behaviorists in the world. And so that's what it's me or the dog and, and me, myself, and Positively and my Positively trainers and the Positively training school that I'm developing and my books try and educate people to the right way. This is, it doesn't matter what your dog is, what breed of dog is, what the problem is, what drive your dog is, because another argument that people have that use punitive training says, well, you can use positive reinforcement on dogs with low drive, but with working breeds and that, you need to have a hard right, hand. Right, yeah, right, right. absolutely don't. These are the dogs you really don't exactly. have Exactly. That's you right. Just get a great motivator. And, and that, that's what I'm trying to achieve through through my, my books. and But, you know, media, again, is powerful. It is seductive. Yes. And then when people are lulled into this false idea, it's very difficult pulling them back off the brink. Very, and that's why I'm so grateful that you're out there because my conversations about Caesar Milan have gone on. I mean, there's no point playing games. Of course, it's Caesar Milan. Yes. Have gone on, and someone wrote once wrote to me because they used to call him Caesar because it was called Caesar until it was called Caesar. I mean, I don't know. Mm. And oh, they were furious. I was calling him Caesar, like they said I was a racist. It's really crazy. I mean, there's a cult following within uh, popular culture that doesn't dissect whether the guy, the televangelist at midnight, who's telling you, you know, all kinds of advice about how to run your life and, you know, how to open your checkbook to him, you know, it, it can be very mesmerizing and hypnotic and, and a great uh, entertainer slash, uh, I don't know, leader. Let's just say the pack leader of people, very, very mm -hmm. good at getting people to view him as a pack leader. But, of mm -hmm. course, the problem is, and this is something I went to UC Davis. Actually, Nordic Naturals had sent me there to try and talk about nutrition to the, the first-year veterinary students. There's a big nutrition department there, and I thought, oh, this will be great. I'll get to them early and just try to get them to realize that a lot of people that own cats and dogs – don't want to feed just out of a bag. They want to be more, you know, involved in choosing how to feed their dogs. Well, that went over like a lead balloon, let me tell you, because they already were getting all the free food from the companies that give them free food, and they, they the young vet students, didn't want to hear anything. So at the same time, I had made a, within the veterinary behavior department, what was meant to be a roundtable to Cesar Milan's um, advice to your, the unwashed public, if you will, those of us who own dogs, is it good or bad? And every single person there, from the professor, Sophia Yin, and others, to all the students, clearly felt that damage was being done. And then I read your book, Train Your Dog Positively, and, and I really hadn't recognized the burden it has put on an intelligent, well-balanced um, well trainer, which is you, who's also well-educated and keeps up on continuing knowledge, the burden it puts on you to undo the kind of booga-wooga that happens when people just kind of blindly follow the circus act. Mm -hmm. And it's a problem because 
you're right in the book when you say, you know, it's not true that when the dog gets on the sofa, goes out the door first or wants to be ahead of you on the leash, that this has anything to do with who's in charge. It's not about who's in charge, you know. That's not the issue. The dog is not trying to take over the world. And I think it's just bizarre. I, I know that when Ben's this is this is a an American reference that may not mean that much to you, being British, and you grew up with a different um, series of books. But Benjamin Spock, Baby and Child Care, and then some parenting books that were very very important in the late 40s into the let's say late 60s were very permissive. You know, feed the baby when the baby's hungry and let the baby explore the world. And then it then there was this backlash. Oh my God, it's all too permissive. Well, the problem was that it took a few generations to kind of get that pendulum back. And we've got the opposite thing with dog training. People didn't really have maybe a sense in general that they needed to train their dogs because, as you say, they, they were outside. They were outdoor dogs or just backyard dogs, and now they come in the house. You need training. And the first really big image that they have gotten is this idea, just be in charge and hiss at the dog like a snake and hold the dog down by the neck and all kinds of this sort of behavior, this sort of circus act that, as you say, they took it as fact. So you now have to undo it. And it's a shame because all of your effort could be used only positively to teach people really valuable stuff that will enhance their life with their dog. So I do think it's a tragedy because you have to undo learning of the wrong thing in order to now teach the right thing. And so your job is twice as hard in a way, isn't it? I, I Yes. And so that's why I try and focus on, I mean, the book was definitely putting, putting the argument out there and saying, come on, let's, let's wake up. Let's, let's, let's get this in perspective. Let's follow the reality. Um, and let's have better relationships with our dogs based on cooperation and not domination. And you know what? It's, it's effective, it, long-term effective, not just a quick fix, but it's effective yes. in the long term, and it is safer. And you see, and, and here, here's the headline. It's safer for your dog. Now, studies have been done. It's been shown that confrontational training methods can exacerbate aggressive response. Dogs yep. that are aggressive can bite people. There are more yep. people getting bitten. And why? Partly is because of confrontational teaching methods. So now this isn't just an issue of morality or ethics or treating animals in the right kind of way. This is a public health and safety issue now. Even if you do not own a dog or um, you don't have a dog in your family, your child or you, you will be around a dog sometime in your life, and you better hope that that dog's been taught in the right way. Um, and I now work alongside an amazing man called Jim Crosby, who is a former police lieutenant um, and is a canine aggression expert and a forensic um, expert as well. And really? We go, yes, and we, we do um, part of my new work, as it were, is um, going around the country and helping police departments if there's been a severe mauling or a fatality and um, helping the police determine out why, what happened, how it happened, which dog did it. Um, and wow. so sort of, uh, I'm involved in uh, forensically investigating severe dog bites and um, death by dog bites and also um, coming up with answers to why. And so whether was it the dog's fault, was it the human fault, what was the perfect storm? What created this bite? Yes. Um, and through our research and through the data that we're collecting um, and uh, through everything, we're finding that so much of the bites that are occurring are because of um, 
lack of education. That's what it is. Um, and uh, it, it, the whole idea of it will never happen to me, or the lack of socialization, or the neglect, or the confrontational training methods. That's what's causing these, these, these devastating bites to happen. And so now police departments all over the country are calling us when they do have a fatality or a severe mourning and getting us to come and help them because wow. they're getting answers. And so going into the whole realm of forensic canine investigations, you know, wow. I, I'm, I'm being introduced into this whole new world, which, of course, gives me another perspective. So it's not like I'm just in my ivory castle writing yes. about the shovel yes. food into a dog's face. I'm, I'm working with aggressive dogs every day. I'm evaluating dogs that have killed people. Jeepers. I'm working with the worst of the worst. Now, I'm a positive reinforcement dog trainer. I do not believe in punishing your dog and getting your dog into submission in order to get it to behave whatever drive. Yet I'm sometimes called soft or weak because I use food or I use toys in my teaching or I use whatever motivated dog motivated by. But I'm telling you, I'm not. And I'm seeing, and I think I can speak from experience because I'm seeing it across the board. Um, I educate myself all the time, not just with my forensic work now, but I educate myself working, going to see the military, working with police dogs. I've just been to a two-day police dog seminar where the canine handlers were working with their dogs. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. That's so cool. Thank you. Well, it's really important for me to to handlers so that I can speak about it, you know, so that I really know what I'm talking about, and I do. So I think that's it. It's education. Oh, my God. This is so amazing, Victoria. I've had some of these handlers on the show, some of the, the, the captains and generals, and I don't know what their, you know, their career things are that they're involved in the breeding of the military dogs. And I've, I think all of us, all of us certainly that listen to Dog Talk, but all of us that are interested in canines in our world would trade places to have been on your shoulder to watch. It's, it must be quite a fantastic experience. It is a fantastic experience, and what is great about it is because I see handlers being very punitive with their dogs. I see police dog handlers um, being very, very positive with their dogs, and it's really interesting to see the difference between those two dogs and across the board. I mean, we're talking dogs with very, very high drive. I'm much more in tune with the handlers that are more positive with their dogs than the the handlers that are jerking their dogs around and hitting their dogs. I mean, you know, it's very interesting to see that. And even with the police and the military, there are lots of people out there that are teaching military dogs and teaching police dogs without the use of force and hitting and jerking. And, and their, their dogs are just as good, even better. because If not better, right. Because, because The dogs are bred to have this high drive to do pretty much anything you point them at. So, so yes, I mean, you know, we've run out of time. As much as I adore this book, and I recommend to all of you, I'm going to give my copy to my sister who has excessively barking Brussels griffins that make it impossible for me to visit her because it makes me crazy. And in three pages, Victoria Stilwell and Train Your Dog Positively is going to show her exactly how to stop them from doing that by teaching them to speak and then to be quiet. But you have to come back and talk more about this serious aggression issue and what you're learning and what we need to know about it. It's because I do think that for every dog adopted from a shelter or even bought as a puppy, if we go down that wrong path and we have that individual dog who has that wiring internally where if you push them to that level, that push them to that point with negativism and harshness, they may turn into that biting dog that you have to then see and have them euthanized and people are horribly injured. 
This is amazing what you're doing, Victoria. I'm very excited about it. I didn't know about it, so it's always it's nice when the listeners are as amazed as I am to hear about things. I'm, I'm going to definitely invite you to come back on very, very soon to talk about it more because I think that those are obviously the extreme dogs, meaning the military ones, or the extreme dogs, the killers, and all of us can learn something from that, and you're going to be our interpreter. So extremely job well done on this book, but how exciting that you're on to very big projects that I think will be a benefit to society and to dogs in general. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me on again. I've really enjoyed it. Was it was a pleasure. I look forward to it again, and keep up all the good work. We will definitely be hearing from Victoria Stillwell again, but in the meantime, pick up Train Your Dog Positively, because it really does explain everything that you might have been unclear about. Thanks again, Victoria. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to be right back. I have Melissa Gillespie with PAWS, Pioneers for Animal Welfare Society, in just a minute. Support for Dog Talk comes from Waruva, a family-owned company that makes their foods in a human food factory because they believe pets deserve to eat as well as their people do. All the flavors of Waruva, Cats in the Kitchen, and their more economical BFF, Best Feline Friend brands, are made to appeal to finicky little dogs and choosy cats, especially those you're trying to transition away from dry foods. Melissa Gillespie, welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. So nice to have you here. Hi, thank you. Hi there. Just recently I was helping get the word out about a wonderful um, fundraiser you had for one of your programs that was helping seniors have animals, have animals be with them in nursing homes. And you have many, many other projects that you do at Pioneers for Animal Welfare Society. Do you mostly um, benefit people on Long Island? Yes, we do. We're a a Long Island-based organization. We've been here for about 35 years. We're a not-for-profit, and um, we work basically with Long Islanders. Really nice. So the whole of the island or only certain areas, just so I know when listeners are listening, if they want to volunteer with you or have any of your services, what, what is the area that you cover? The whole of Long Island. I mean, we've recently also, you know, worked with um, some people in the Bronx, people in the Queens. So wherever we can can help, yep. Nice. I know you do food distribution. You have pause to learn in the schools. You have a discounted spay and neuter. I'm most interested in the Seniors with Animals program because it sounds really innovative and like something all of us, as we either have aging parents or become those seniors ourselves, might want to know more about. Um, it, it has to do both with seniors, if I'm right, in nursing homes, but also those seniors living at home that might love the companionship of, a, of an older dog? Exactly. Um, the goal behind um, and our, our program under Pioneers for Animal uh, Society, Pioneers for Animal Welfare Society, Inc., that works with the seniors, it's called SWAP, and that's Seniors with Animals Project. And the goal behind that project through about four or five different programs is to uh, promote and support the senior citizen and um, animal uh, companionship, promote that bond, because it's such an important bond. So we do anything from helping the senior to adopt a pet, and it could be a senior in a nursing home, it could be a senior in a assisted living facility, because, you know, many such facilities do accept um, animals as pets. You know, nice. when the senior moves in. Yep. Um, or uh, would be the senior in the community. So, again, if we have a homebound senior who wants an animal and they don't know what type of animal to get, they're, you know, they don't know how to train the animal, they're not sure what size, we're going to come in, we're going to help, we're going to do an evaluation of the senior. There are always animals that need homes. Um, oh, yeah. We'll tend to try to place, yeah, the, the perfect companion pet with the senior. And then what wow. we try to do is, yeah, and then we try to do is, um, 
and support that relationship in any way we can. So well, this is, an, uh, this is amazing because, I mean, it would be one thing if you just help them get the dog or the cat, but then what if they need trouble getting, need help getting to the vet or they even can't deal with the litter box or walking the dog? I mean, it's amazing. Or they get ill and then they have okay. you as a fallback to look after the animal while they're getting that medical treatment, right? Exactly. So we also provide a foster program and a respite care program. So if the senior is in the hospital, if they need to go into a rehab center for a little bit, we're going to come in and we're going to take care of that animal. If the senior is home and they just need a little assistance, just like you uh, mentioned, walking the dog, playing with the dog, taking the dog to the vet, buying its food, um, whatever it may be, whatever assistance the senior needs that's going to help maintain that animal in their home, uh, our volunteers will go over and help it in way we can. I think this is totally amazing. I I just can't tell you how touched I am, but I've been very aware in the years of, of having all these programs on the radio that there are people, older folks that often live alone, they're widowed, or they simply were never married, and their only companionship in this world, the only being that they really can feel on a daily basis can depend on for emotional support is their pet. So the fact that you're able to find them the pets and then support that relationship is just deeply touching and obviously also gives incredible homes to the pets because the the seniors are obviously or rarely working so they're home so that animal is with somebody all the time so the animal has a great quality of life too exactly the official shelter of the show is southampton shelter and um Southampton Animal Shelter is right on Flanders Road in River, at the beginning of Riverhead. And if, if at any point you, you know, I would love to introduce you if you don't know the folks there, because if they were to get in some of those senior smaller dogs, and certainly they have wonderful kitties, and they've worked with all of them. They have great volunteers, too, so they know their personalities. They know, you know, their energy level. It might be another great resource for when you have that senior who says, oh, I would love to have a dog, but I can't do this or I can't do that. And Really, your organization says, well, don't worry, we'll do that for you. Exactly, and that that would be great um, because one of our and you you really said it exactly the relationship um, for seniors the, the the bond you know between seniors and the yes. animals and the relationship itself it's proven to be positive in both the physical and mental health of a senior citizen and oftentimes the animals all the senior has for companionship it could be the reason why the senior gets out of bed every day you That's know right. reality you know and the reality is many times the senior cannot take care of their companion and that companion is their best friend you know. So, again, and, and, you know, oftentimes as well, the senior may have to go into a uh, facility, a nursing home, or maybe have to move in with a child, um, or maybe, you know, the children come in and they, they need to get a, an aid in place. And many times all this happens and they're all caught up in, you know, what's happening to mom or the grandma or the aunt, and they overlook completely the relationship that exists, you know, between the senior citizen and their animal. And they just say, well, ma, the cat's got to go. The dog's got to go. Yes. And they don't even realize what they've just done. It's hard enough for the senior to realize what's happening That's in right. their lives, but to tear apart their best friend. So the one thing that we try to do is we try to step in and we try to take the animals in such a situation. So if the senior has to go into a facility um, or live with a child, we try to 
place that animal, and we also try to promote visits with the animal and the senior. So if that senior has to go into a nursing home and that nursing home does not allow pets, we try to take that animal and then say, okay, well, we're going to bring, you know, Mrs. Brown's dog to visit right. her once a month, you know, twice a month, to keep that wow. bond going, even though they can no longer take care of them themselves. Whatever we can do to keep that bond, because we come in and we take animals in this situation also do the death of their uh, of their guardian, and those animals grieve so badly, you know, when their owners are gone. They, and they tend to be senior animals, so these tend to be animals that have been with their guardian for many, many years, and they don't understand what just happened. So it's such an important um, uh, relationship for the two of them. It works both ways. And, so and, you say, and you're saving lives in both directions because if one of the seniors who's been helped by your program were to die and the family says, I don't know what to do with this old cat or dog, we'll just send it to the shelter where, you know, the likelihood of them getting adopted is pretty slim. You have fosters and volunteers who will find another senior who would be more than grateful to have a dog or a cat that's just wonderfully happy to be home all day with their person just hanging out and and being smooched on, right? Exactly. And they're easy pets because besides, again, they will be grieving. Um, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's natural. But these are animals that are completely house trained. They've been companion animals. It's not that you're getting a, a right. puppy or you're getting an older dog that's used to the life of a senior, of living with a senior. And it's, it's an amazing, amazing relationship. We just placed a dog um, with someone who um, they had passed away, and we had um, placed him over here out in Long Island. He's 14 years old. He had been with his guardian, uh, his mom, uh, since he was four months old. He was wow. grieving terribly. I mean, the loss was so bad. We didn't even, wasn't even sure he was going to make it. Wow. And he was at our fundraiser because he um, was one of our uh, featured guests, one of our honored guests. <laughs> and the... The bond that he has formed with his new guardian, she could not even leave the room. And this is about a 130-pound lab mix, okay? okay. <laughs> the bond, I mean, no matter where she left, this, and I could not even hold on to him. Lucky was dragging me across the room because he really? had to know. Yeah, he had to know where she was. Um, and it's it's fear as well now wow. you know, when they when they live through something like yes. that. But it, it's an amazing. So with a lot of love and a lot of patience, it's just such a win win um, all around. And we we also again because as you you said again many times these animals they're seen as themselves um, when they go to a shelter. Many people don't even realize that it's That's a high right. shelter. And they're the first that are going to go because they're deemed unadoptable. And they also tend to be grieving. They can have some medical issues because maybe the senior couldn't tend to them right, adequately. Right. But they're just not, they don't look cute and, and, you know, pretty and ready to adopt when people walk through the shelter. So, but the thing um, we have to know is those little gray muzzles have a lot of years of wisdom behind them oh, and a lot, so of, a lot of heart behind that. Melissa, a lot of it's, heart. It's, it's really fantastic if people want to either donate or volunteer or be part of this absolutely all-the-way-around feel-good organization, they can go to paws.li, meaning Long Island, .org, and learn more. You have a wonderful website. There's so much to learn there. It's it's dash li. What did I say? P-A-W-S dot. P-A-W-S dash. Oh, it's not dot. It's dash. Yes, I can't tell the difference between a dash and a dot. I knew, (laughs) so it's a good thing that you brought it up. I think it's tremendous. I'm going to introduce you. To the wonderful people at Southampton Shelter, I know that they would love to be part of what you're doing. It is right up their alley. Of course, it's right up the alley of anybody who loves animals and recognizes the value and importance to 
to our whole society, but particularly to our to our senior citizens. Melissa, thanks for all the great work you do. Keep me in the loop so I know what's going on with you guys, and I can let all the listeners know whenever there's something in particular you need or are doing or want, because we really salute what you're doing. Let me okay. Let me tell you. We also have the uh, two more issues with the seniors group. We have the pet therapy program, where we're bringing but, therapy animals into the seniors' homes, and also the food pantries outreach, where we're trying to get uh, animal food on Meals on Wheels trays, and we're trying to get the local senior food centers to stock up on dog and cat food to help seniors oh as well. My. They're going to pick up what their lunch. What a great idea! Oh my it's just God, little I things, love it. You know, I love um, it. Listen, Every little thing counts. It does. And listen, we always need volunteers, and we really, really need fosters, because the more foster families we can line up, the more lives That's we can right. save, because That's we try right. to get the animal from the home before they go into the shelter. So if we have foster families waiting, we can easily say, sure, we'll take them. So that's one. Uh, and these are very easy dogs to foster. They've already been owned. They've already, they're already completely housebroken and, and have good manners. So it's not and like you're have, adopting an unknown quantity. Exactly. And we have trainers. We have two behavior therapists. We have a groomer on board, um, and we provide wow. all the funding. We have vets that we work with, and we provide oh all, my the food, all the funding. So it's really, even for a senior who wants to foster an animal for right. a bit, it's also perfect Hey, for that's that. a great you know, idea. Someone, yeah, someone feels, oh, I don't know, I'm 88. I, it's rude of me to get a dog. What if I, you know, go at some point? They can foster and have the great relationship and not exactly. feel the pressure of having to stay alive for 10 years if they don't, if it doesn't work <laughs> out that way, right? Exactly. Melissa, Exactly. Great yeah, work you, that you're you doing. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a great Thank rest you. of the day. Bye Thanks for so much, now. Tracy. You as well. Take Thanks care. Bye bye. A pleasure. Bye bye. After this quick word, we're getting back with Dr. Lori Colger in just a minute. Support for Dog Talk comes from Precious Cat Litter, owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose litters are designed to appeal to kitties and protect their health. Cat Attract Litter has a blend of herbs which entice cats into the litter box and overcome out-of-litter box problems. Respiratory Relief Litter is low dust for pussycats with asthma, which makes it healthy for people and other pets in the family, too. This show is also supported by Platinum Performance Canine Wellness Formula, a comprehensive nutritional supplement for dogs that provides a special blend of more than 55 nutrients to improve the health of each of your dog's 12 trillion cells. Healthy cells mean a healthy dog, from mental sharpness to joint health. And there's a Platinum Performance Feline Formula for cats, too. I am back with Dr. Lori Koger, who I am so dying to talk to. I've been looking for a chiropractic veterinarian to explain all the, the holistic alternative ways that we can get our animals well or keep them well. Dr. Lori, welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties too. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much, Tracy. I have been great dying to have a chiropractor explain <laughs> to all of us how chiropractic works. Let me just tell you my own experience. Okay. I used to ride competitively, which everyone listens to the show knows, for about 15 years. And there was a chiropractor who came to adjust the horses. And it made no sense to me, but the horses definitely moved better afterwards. His wife would put her hand on the withers, then he would put his hand on her arm, and he'd seem to concentrate. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you do large animals. I have no idea. But <laughs> I, I, I have ha- mostly dogs. Yeah, I I imagine it's pretty labor intensive to do your large animals. And of course, this isn't called, you know, like horse chat. So most of the people listening don't have a horse that might need an adjustment. But I've definitely had them done to my dogs. And there's one gentleman from California who did it with kind of a clicker thing. But then Mm -hmm. in Vermont, my wonderful, who became a friend, acupuncture, chiropractic vet, that's all she does. It was much more 
like we experience as humans, you know, like feeling and then pushing a little. Can you explain Well, you belong, you're certified by the International Association of Veterinary Chiropractors. It's a serious subspecialty. You have to study, you have to take exams, and you have to obviously have a big passion for alternative medicine. Can you talk about, you're a Cornell graduate, at what point in your in your career or your passion for being a, a veterinarian you you went in that direction? Yes, yes. Um, you know, a lot of my changes in my thinking about my profession have been inspired by my own dogs or those of my family and friends. And uh, I got into uh, chiropractic almost by accident through a mail, uh, an announcement in the mail about a seminar on this. And I needed some CE, and I said, you know, I'll try this. I went, and I actually learned the activator method, the little clicker thing that you, oh, you referenced. Did. I did. I'm, I'm trained in that methodology, which is a very low-force technique as opposed to the, the more hands-on style of actually kind of cracking the back and moving both yes. with your hands. Yes. Both techniques are effective. They just work a little differently. So I went to the seminar, and on my way home, I was visiting a friend who had the number one obedience Australian shepherd in the country. Who Whoa, coincidentally, that's pretty impressive. Oh, and she's a great friend. He was a great dog. Wow. And I stopped by her house because she lived. It was just outside of Boston. And she said, cowboy is not moving right. And I said, well, you know, I just spent three days at this <laughs> seminar, and I bought this activator. And she thought I was nuts, Tracy. She thought I was totally crazy. And we're out on her front lawn, and I'm doing what I'd been trained to do. And God bless that dog. He trotted off after oh, I dug across God. the lawn, and her jaw dropped. Wow. And, and I, excuse me, so did yours, Lori, right? I mean, this was your so, first yes, patient. Ab- my first patient. And, you know, I said, I guarantee you I can do no harm with this. And she's like, you know, I That's trust right. you. But you're crazy. <laughs> and it seems like everything that's, that's fallen into my path and evolved my thinking has involved one of those moments. Of, I, can't I love that. This is going to work, and whammo, it works. I love it. So that is really it, cool. It is. So the whole basis behind animal chiropractic, chiropractitioners, veterinary orthopedic manipulation, whatever you want to call it, is based in the animal's nervous system, and some part of that brain, spinal cord, nerve entity has fallen out of balance whether it's due to bone movement and pressure on the nerves or something at the cellular level, it really doesn't matter. You just have to reestablish nervous system communication to the norm, and the rest of the body follows. Now, does it take a certain sensitivity? Do you feel that the people that were in that continuing education course with you, were some uh of you more tuned into it? You went with no expectation one way or the other. Definitely some people have hands and feel naturally. Everybody yes. can learn it to some degree, but, you know, and then that's got to apply to, you know, any kind of, that's of right. skill. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has their own aptitude. But, yes, you can learn what to feel, and if you're a sensitive person, you feel the energy. And it sounds like what your horse uh, practitioner was doing yes. was using muscle testing, because you said he had the wife hold her arm out. That's right. And he was feeling, and... 
that's a topic for another time, but that is a way of testing energy and seeing where it's weak and where it's strong, and then you make your treatment decisions based on that information. So is that what we humans know as kinesiology? Correct. Or is it correct? Okay, so so and anyone who's familiar with it. these, yeah, a form of it. So anyone who's familiar with these things knows that these are these energic um, issues, whether it's even acupuncture or chiropractic, mm-hmm. they're scientifically provable. They're obviously backed in other yeah. cultures by thousands of years of utilization, and it's funny how when we have a, a, an animal in any kind of discomfort, we do mm-hmm. put a thousand percent faith in our vet. And like you say, can do no harm. And so often these alternative, you, you are the holistic vet. That's the name of your website, right. dot com, which I recommend people go to. It's got lots of really interesting, interesting things on it, including Lori's very own first book, Vaccines Explained, the Holistic Vet's Guide to Vaccinating Your Dog. But I think that when we put a thousand percent faith in you guys, it's it's really that kind of miracle moment, and our jaws do drop because you. The great thing about animals is they have no clue what you're doing. They don't exactly. go with any expectation. There's no psychological and there's no component. Placebo effect. Exactly. You know, we always say in humans, oh, you know, placebo. You yeah. think you're going to get better, and you do. The dogs don't have that. That's the right. Horses don't have that, and you know. Now, with everybody carrying a smartphone, I I have so many um, clients bringing me in video of befores and afters. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. So, in other words, you bring your your animal to, if you're lucky enough to have a chiropractor nearby, Lori's in the Albany area. So, you know, it's from the Hamptons, atrocious to try and get anywhere, let's be honest. But you could be in Manhattan and, you know, get to Albany. There aren't that many chiropractors around. I mean, that's the issue. So, you know, if you certainly if you have a performance dog, like a great dock diving dog or an agility competitor or this amazing most, you know, accredited obedience dog, you'll go any distance, particularly when it doesn't involve anything that could be bad for their liver, like medications or things that are only uh, dealing with the symptoms and not the cause. So the fact that you're you're able to offer this is it's re- I just think it's a great adjunct to the other way of thinking. And, of course, traditional exactly. training is great, but there's so many issues that absolutely cannot be addressed by medicine or shot, you know. And, and it's just and amazing so many, to have this. So many adverse effects from mm-hmm. a lot of our medical and traditional yes. treatments. Yeah, um, and, then they, and then they bottom out. I mean, you can only give so much, you know, anti-inflammatories right. or steroidals if, if you could deal with the underlying problem, which chiropractic, I genuinely believe, does. Anyone who, you know, feels their back has gone out or their shoulder or their rib is out or they have, you know, they can't move their neck. I mean, I'm, I lived 23 years in California, so there's a chiropractor on every corner. And there's always, right. you know, the debate about... Oh, who's the best and the best at this? And this guy's the sports medicine guy and he does the LA Lakers, whatever. It's definitely a part of everyone's, you know, wellness or, or fix it problem. So personally, I can definitely attest to the value of chiropractic. And, you know, the problem for me is I, at least selfishly with one dog, I'd love to say, God, I'll come over to Albany. Heck, I'm only an hour from you. I'm going to come <laughs> visit you anyway because I want to, I want to check out your low level laser therapy, which is something I want to yeah. also ask you more about. But, yeah. 
He's got bone on bone. So, you know, at Aww. some point, yeah, some point when you've got those joints that have been repaired, the ACLs, and you get bone on bone, and the adequate injections are no longer working even. Right. You know, I guess there's only so much you can do because I guess as our older animals get arthritic, and, and tell me if this is true, when they are compensating for pain in one joint or another, anyone with horses knows a front lameness can really be the problem can be behind. In dogs, if they compensate, then they do probably throw off their spinal cord or their whole Absolutely. their whole alignment. But but then if you realign them, they have to walk funny again in a minute in order to spare their most aching joints. No. Well, and that's where um, the field of canine physical therapy is growing by leaps and bounds. Yes. Ways to strengthen. For example, your dog that's had a cruciate surgery. Um, because he tore his ACL and now he mm-hmm. has some hardware in there, yep. and we've got to rehabilitate the muscle. So you can avoid a lot of those compensatory changes that the body does right. by by physical therapy, strengthening, conditioning type exercises, balance exercises are huge. Because now oh. the animal has had surgery on a limb, that's a different limb. He's got to learn how to walk again. That's right. And some of these physical therapists are amazing in their ability to teach the animal how to walk correctly. Um, and that it, is sort of a whole new sub, subspecies of it, veterinary it's specialists. It's becoming a, special, a specialty in veterinary medicine, rehabilitation medicine. It's really and cool. I want to. I just want to send a really shout cool. out that that in East Hampton we have SS Aqua Dog. Randy has this wonderful heated mm-hmm. year-round pool where she does aqua therapy with dogs, and there are people that travel oh, yeah. long distances because that is really great. Um, but of course, best if if you could ha- find a holistic vet or an integrative vet like Dr. Lori Coger, if you're anywhere near Albany, which is you know in the Hamptons unlikely, but in Berkshires maybe not so unlikely. It's good to have somebody with all this training and knowledge and extra training to sort of direct you so that you understand even what to do before and after those wonderful warm swims. Right. And I think that that's, that's something that we're, we're still, most of us, a long way from understanding the value and embracing it. Low-level laser therapy is something you're also specialized in, and I yes. really want you to explain this to all of us because I, I will just say that many vets are buying they call it cold laser. And I don't know. I know there's a lot of difference between the brands. I think there is. I don't know. Maybe there's not. And there they're just are. kind of yes. big differences. They're, they're, they have them in their office. They're regular everyday vets. And mm-hmm. they're sort of using it. I tried it at my regular everyday vet, and I got no relief from either what was a sore shoulder in one dog and from these arthritic joints in the other two. Mm-hmm. But I have to honestly say, I'm not sure. Did they know enough? Can anybody kind of use it after one hour training, or does it should it be done by someone who's really dedicated to that aspect of of care? Well, I think I think two things are happening. Number one, people realize that cold laser or low level laser that I use the term synonymously uh, can be very effective. It's been used in the human field in sports medicine. All the NFL teams shoot. Lance Armstrong was treated with the laser that I personally own. Well, too bad that's not the only thing he was treated with, right? That would be too bad, Lance. Honey, you should have just stuck with the alternatives. Stuck with the laser. But, um, you know, they know it works. But there are a lot of companies manufacturing a variety of lasers, different wavelengths, different levels of power, and basically offering preset programs in that, you know, push the button, wave Mm -hmm. the wand here, and the animal will be fixed. And it's not that simple. 
That's what um, I'm concerned art. about because it felt too yeah. it felt too random. We were both put the, mm-hmm. the the vet tech and I both put on goggles and I don't know who was protecting right. Scooby's eyes. I have no idea. It all seemed yeah. a little kind of vague, you know, kind of random. Yeah, and that's what you get with these companies that you know they come in, they spend a day with your staff, tell yes. you how much money you're going to make, and charge you twenty five yes. grand for the laser. Yes. Um, the art of laser therapy, in my opinion, is in the diagnosis and Feeling the tissues, assessing the movement, you know, assuming you're treating a musculoskeletal disease such as in your dog, mm-hmm. and yes. applying the right laser in the right way. Um, I'm a big fan of the Arconia laser because it allows me to set the frequency of the pulses to any numbers I want, and its wavelength is unique. It's a much gentler laser. Its wavelength is 635 nanometers. Okay. The, a lot of the other lasers have much higher wavelengths, and they penetrate tissue more deeply, but they don't carry as much energy. And 635 is a magic number when you're talking about cellular metabolism, because remember, we're using the laser to stimulate cellular energy production and cellular communication, and cells Ooh. communicate with flashes of light. See, I didn't know so, that's what it was doing. No one yeah. really ever explains it to you. They go, here's the magic yeah. wand. Give me Fidala. I'm exaggerating, yeah. under-exaggerating, and I'll sure. do it. So that's really cool. It's, it does stimulate cell growth? Cell growth. That's why it's used a lot in human medicine and burn victims in ah. major uh, skin damage because it actually increases cellular energy production and it increases the rate of cell growth. It wow. stimulates nerve function and it improves circulation. All key factors in healing. I'll make you. I'll make you a deal. I'll make the trip to Albany if you want to make <laughs> t- Scooby your poster child. I mean, this guy walks like every single limb is lame. He just had mm-hmm. to have his third surgery on that ACL repair to remove the hardware, which was causing an ongoing infection. And that's oh, been yeah. something everyone's been listening to on the air because I figure I'm as good an example as anybody of, you know, how to manage or accidentally mismanage or not get the level of, you know, intervention that you need. I, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you could help him even 10%, uh, mm-hmm. then I don't think anybody would not try cold laser <laughs> therapy. But but with someone yeah. who really has studied what they're doing, and as you say, yeah. I mean, you had, are in control of it. I've had my laser since 2001. Um, and other people, you know, it, got, it was arrived in their office last week, and it's a vet tech right. waving a wand. And it did feel mm-hmm. a little like, let me, you know, sprinkle fairy dust. It just didn't feel very specific. And now what you're talking right. about is it needs to be very specific to the creature that you're looking at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, I would yeah. I would love to be to be your, an sure. experiment. I mean, to be a before and sure. after, and 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 come back on the show periodically, you know, so that you can talk about other cases where laser therapies worked. I think that we all need to get more comfortable with it, more knowledgeable about it, and seek out a high quality of of practitioner. Because I think so many of our animals are, well, I know, our animals are living longer. Yeah. They're all going to have some degree yeah. of arthritis. And mm-hmm. the discomfort factor, I mean, I just, you can't put every single dog on these NSAIDs, and we're all on them, right. and the livers are, are, you know, in jeopardy. Right. And, you know, all it's doing is just putting a Band-Aid on a problem, which actually this may address in a better way. Before we run out of time, 
Canine Camp Getaway is the coolest thing in the world. It's now what, oh, the first it? week of the first week of July. So the first session is done. But in just a, the couple of minutes, right. can you just you and another vet are actually there at this camp where people can come yeah. with their dogs and and it's in the, yeah we am have I right the, a camp yeah in September. Oh, goody. Um, it's, it's the ultimate dog vacation. We take over a resort in Lake George. Dogs oh my gosh. are welcome everywhere, from the dining room wow. to the pool to the trail. And we have lots of fun events. We have educational events. And you participate in whatever, you know, appeals to you. Um, it's just a blast. We have loads oh my of people gosh. from the city who want a little vacation with their dogs. And have never had the experience of being off leash with their dogs or in the in the have the freedom the to be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then there's and, two vets there, so you guys can right. give advice and you know, do you bring your cold laser with you and do any treatments? Absolutely. Ooh. Um, you know, we're there. We're there to provide um, medical care for anybody who needs any dog who needs. Right. Uh, right. We also give talks. We do ask the vet sessions. Um, this year I'm branching out and doing a photography class with wow. a photo contest wow. for people. So totally fun stuff, but it's dog-centric, if you will. And how many people and are there at, at, at one time? How many dogs are, are able to be there at once? Well, at June camp, um, we had about 80 campers. Wow. And most of them brought one dog, some brought two. Uh, we have 15 staff members, all with one or more dogs. Actually, oh, my God, how heaven. Just recovering from an ACL surgery. Oh, boy. So I know I um You'll I need your cold laser. Yes. So it is just, it's the most fun I've had. This is my third year. Oh, my and God. I wish I could go. Well, oh, in September, I, I should have to figure it out. I have to figure out how to park some of the Radio Pet Lady Network shows. And, and get up there. Lake George is so beautiful. Canine oh, Camp yeah. Getaway. I'm going to have a link to this on the, the podcast announcement of the show. So this is something really to embrace. This is not, this is like the real deal because you can, you don't have to do what you don't want to do, but what's there is this very high level of education and, and, you know, and involvement. Fun. fun is the best, the fun. Lori, what you're yeah. doing is fantastic. I want to keep the conversation going with you. You have so many areas um, of, of passionate interest, your, your, your minimal vaccination ideas. You'll come back. We're going to talk again soon because you have so much to offer all of us, and I hope me and my Scooby-Doo particularly, selfishly. Thank you so very much, and have a great rest of the day. Oh, you're welcome. Take care. Thanks for having take me. Take care. Have fun at camp in September. We'll, some of us are definitely going to be there. I'm sure of that. You take care. Excellent. Bye-bye. Canine, Canine Camp Getaway. I'll have a, a link to it, but that's the name of it. I just want to tell you a couple of quick things about the lineup of the shows on the Radio Pet Lady Network. You may not be aware of them. Cat Crazy is Monday nights. It's live. Dr. Elizabeth Hodgkins, you've heard her many times on Dog Talk and Kitties, too. She's the official vet. When she can't do it, I have guest vet co-hosts. It's really a cool show. Cat Chat and Dog Talk is on Tuesday nights live with Dr. Sean Messonnier, who's an integrative holistic vet, um, a lot like Dr. Lori Coger, who you just heard, but with different emphasis. The pet cancer vet, by the way, is on Monday nights. She's amazing from the Animal Specialty Center. Anybody with an animal facing cancer, dealing with cancer, she is someone you really want to know about and talk to. Dog Talk replays on Tuesday night if you missed it on the weekend. The dog travel experts on Wednesday night, 
amazing. We're going to be talking about camps you can go to with your dogs, but also airplane travel, car travel, hiking, biking, beaching, all that. The expert vet with Dr. Donna Spector on Wednesday nights. She's a board-certified internist, and I learn something new every single week. Thursday night is your dog's best friend with dog trainer Sarah Hodgson of When Dogs Talk. We have a ball. And Pet Food Advisors with Dr. Sean Delaney is on Thursday night. This guy has got a brain so stuffed with information about pet food and what to feed and how to feed it. He's just fantastic and a delightful person to spend time with on the air. So I'm hoping that you'll go to RadioPetLady.com and check out the shows. Please listen when you can. They're also all on podcasts, as you know, Dog Talk and Kitties 2 also is. But call in. Have fun. Hang out with me live. That'll be, that'll be fun for all of us. Have a great rest of a weekend. Kiss your kitties. Hug your pooches. Thanks for hanging out with me. We'll talk again soon. Bye for now.